good morning everybody greetings in the matchless name of our lord and savior jesus christ uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to share the word of god this morning uh, i had chosen a topic rather than say chosen it was a burden that was on my heart so i want to talk to that and i have asked my lord our lord to bless the topic that it may be useful beneficial profitable to all of us i believe uh, in talking this topic will be much more relevant to you as businessmen and professionals that is the key point there talking in the last week's gathering of cp cbmc participating in that a person was asking me what's so special about professionals and businessmen will not lord take care of every believer yes every believer he'll take care of but then businessmen are much more and professionals are focused goal oriented and want to work for they have a remarkable perseverance and they are persistent about what they take up this is my greeting and uh, acknowledging the fact that we are chosen for a different purpose in god's union right let's get on to this what is church and assets and the assets all of us one way or other we are part of a uh, church so we will because we are all believers some of us are moved to the stages of disciples asset a church makes a significant part of our life without church we are not defined without church there is nothing because we are part of the church so we need to look at church because church in my understanding and experience i'm a church leader i'm actively involved in the church and i'm part of a mainline church tamil evangelical lutheran church so i want to give some definitional matter defining define definition about what a church or what a sharpen our thinking refocus on what a church is so what is a church is it only an edifice or is it only a brick and mortar building that's what we are confining it to i will go to the church but actually the church biblically is a body of christ we are not going to dispute that if it's a body of christ what happens to our gathering so it is a gathering of believers to worship a gathering of believers who have received the salvation to rejoice in the presence of one another and in the presence of the lord this is a church these are fundamental definitions but what is the role of the building mortar and the building that has become an asset for us it is part of it which is god given to us we have worked for it therefore both are relevant both are applicable what makes the foundational and strong pillars of the church is that we are believers we are gathering coming to worship the lord together and do his will and his purpose for our lives so that much said kirtanan church never refers to building it always refers to people and disciples of jesus christ this much keep that in mind and what did why are we always attached to the church building when we say we are going to church we are always referring to a location and to a building this comes from the old testament you know that for the first time 
God created, asked them to make a tent and the tent tabernacle. The idea was that he will reside in it and they will come and worship in them. And it moved with them as they were sojourning, as they were journeying on. But then later, it was King David who said that he wants to build an edifice. And rightfully, the Lord pointed out to him the shortcomings in his life and said that maybe you will not do it, the son can do it. And the first Solomon's temple was built. It was destroyed. Then later the temple came again. The second Solomon's temple was built. Was built. And again it was destroyed. So let's keep these things in focus. An edifice which is created. And it doesn't, hasn't survived the test of time. It lasted for some time. And later it, it saw its glory. But it fell. What has happened in those years is one thing that has come, uh, comes to my mind. The moment we started building an edifice, our attention from God shifted to material things and the grandiose ideas of building and glorifying it and beautifying it. So our attention started getting diverted, what I call a digression. So when the church is built, an edifice is built, but today's condition in 21st century, the world is full of edifices. I've had the privilege by the providence of Lord to travel into Europe and I've seen enough of these edifices and I always have stood in front of these churches dumbfounded and in awesome glory of these constructions and I enjoyed its quietness because rarely I've seen any worship happening but some places where it is very good I've had a mixed experience but through it all I've praised God so these are my church experiences so, what was first called a sanctuary, a tent, a tabernacle, became a brick and mortar building and a glorious edifice. It was destroyed. It was rebuilt. And now, 20 centuries later, we are building edifices wherever it is. Where the mainline churches who have inherited such monumental edifices or the free land, uh, free churches, independent churches, who are also building edifices. We are remaining focused on that. Once we start building a church, what happens is assets keep accumulating. First of all, the land becomes an asset, and the building becomes an asset. And then whatever it, in it, it becomes an asset. I want to draw your attention quickly to an Old Testament matter. The temple had untold wealth, untold wealth, silver, gold, and all the riches, untold wealth in the times of Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. Read it from chapter 39 of Isaiah. First five verses are very relevant. What happens is Hezekiah has just enjoyed a miraculous recovery from his illness. God had sent Prophet Isaiah to tell him, your time is over, get ready. From there, he cries his heart out. And then God gives him a miraculous recovery. Not only that, he says that I will extend your life for 15 years. That was a global news those days. So much so, the rulers of the world or the conquerors of the world those days, Babylonians sent a delegation to King Hezekiah to see what happened, to hear it firsthand. 
So Hezekiah shares his uh, miraculous recovery and the glory of the eternal God that he worships, whom we worship now. That is all fantastic part, a glorious part. But what happens is he takes them into the temple and shows the wealth of the temple, the assets of the temple. He shows them completely all the time. After the visitors are gone, comes the prophet and he says, what did you do? He said, I have a distant, I had visitors from distant land. And then he says, the Babylonians. And I said, and what did you do? What did you show them? He said, I showed them the entire wealth of the temple. I did not leave anything. I showed them all. That was the statement. If you read Isaiah 39, verses 1 through 5. So, do you know what's the pronouncement there? He says, hear from the Lord. The Lord says, because you have done this, this entire assets will be taken away to Babylon. Not one thing will be left. So, so much to asset builders like us who say that we are doing it for the house of the Lord. We are looting, doing it to the glory of God. We are giving our offerings and accumulating wealth in the church, assets in the church. We should be get reminded about what happened because the moment all these things happened, Hezekiah's glorious revival from death, from the jaws of death, became little. He was trying to glory himself in the grandiose wealth and assets that have been accumulated in the temple. So that is a caution for us. I only say this as a caution. We should never allow ourselves because it is not a prime business. Come to the 21st century now. Church of England is one of the huge establishments in the world. Largest church in the world. Spread across many continents. In India, it is Church of South India. We know about its assets. Some 10, 12 years back, Economic Times wrote an article because of the litigations that are happening and said, can you guess the wealth of this church? Economic Times wrote in the publication and it said, it is a whooping 1,200 crores of profit every year, profit from all the assets. Go to Church of England. Church of England has got a separate entity to invest and get return on investment of their assets. 15 years ago, I think, I read about this. It was an astounding news. What they did is that investment wing of Church of England invested all its wealth and earned a whooping profit of 7 billion British pounds sterling, 7 billion. They even surpassed all the hedge fund managers and finance managers. That time, the leading fund managers were Harvard financial graduates. They had their own companies and they used to year after year do extremely well. Church of England's investment wing put them to shame. They earned, I think it is somewhere between seven and nine billion pounds sterling. Now, is it a matter, a matter to praise? Everybody said, praise God, glory to God and all that. But the theologian said, this is not our business. This is not the church is about. 
This is not the church's business. They totally criti were critical about the whole achievement. They said that our focus is shifting. So, so much so was said that that earning of 7 billion, let's say 7 billion British pounds, the Church of England earmarked it for the development of churches and the building of new churches in Africa. So, church and its assets. I've given you a caution. I brought you to a cautionary note from Ezekiah's life. And also what has happened in the, here at home, I told about Church of South India and internationally Church of England. Having said that, we should say, we're going to ask, is that wrong to have material wealth in the church? Nothing wrong. Because the earth and its fullness thereof is our Lord's. It is not our business because some people do preach about that, that we are going to go and acquire and possess. Because Genesis 128, it says, produce, prosper, and rule over and have dominion. So people use this and say that it we are business is also recovery. Let's do that, but not compromising of Lord's first business. What is the church for? He said. Jesus Christ said, now we are in the New Testament era, New Testament. What did Jesus Christ say? He said, I will build my church on this rock and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail over it. So from brick and mortar, from, and he also predicted the fall of the Jerusalem temple. It was gone. Not a brick upon brick will be there. That was the fall, uh, Jesus's prophecy. And historically, when we study why brick, there was no brick upon brickers, when they raided it, they found out there were gold inserts between the bricks. So brick after brick, they took it and then they recovered the gold from that. So what Jesus Christ prophecy happened in actuality. So the, from the focus of brick and mortar building and worshiping in that, the New Testament became what happened is the focus came to the people, a group of worshippers, small places, small churches. They went out of the synagogues. They were uh, dispersed all over the Asia Minor. But then church had no assets in those days. In our, my own church, we sing a great hymn on festive occasions in which it is, we'll sing saying that, Lord, it is your church and you purchased it by the precious blood of your son, not by the properties, not by the assets, by the properties. So we have to be very careful and very reverential and very fearful how we handle the assets of the church. No asset can be left without management. So I'm going to pass now Having spoken about the scripture, I'm going to pass into asset management. It's a management term. And NPA, non-performing asset. Two things, forgive me if you don't like it, but we are business people, we are professionals. We need to hear from this. So what is an asset management? I'll give you three examples from the scriptures, New Testament. You remember the parable of shrewd manager, what Jesus Christ narrated? So a man had his assets, and the asset had to be managed. And what did the shrewd manager do? 
he almost was earning out of his master's profit. So when you have a profit uh, asset, and when you start managing, you will encounter all such problems. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to teach the parable, uh, uh, read into the parable, uh, its main context. I'm only getting into one aspect and saying that what happened is an asset management. He had a great property. He had to manage. He appointed a manager, but the manager was not faithful. So we are going to be careful about all these huge wealth we have for the churches assets we built for the churches because assets have to be managed and it will only become a pain and digression when it falls into the hands of people who are still believers and not yet moved into the stages of disciples. Every one of us are called from moving to discipleship from being a believer. First, when we received the light, we became believers. First, when we received the salvation, we became believers. But then from there, we had to go to disciples. What I see is when the transition has not happened and the maturing process has not happened and these assets fall into their hands, then you have the shoot manager case. There is another thing is vineyard and workers. A guy had vineyard. He didn't appoint anybody. He was working himself for the harvest. He had to work. He had to go and bring workers. How many times he went? He went several times a day and brought workers. So it is hard work. I'm only picking up that particular thing from there, seeing that asset has to be managed. He has invested. He has uh, planted wine. And then he was harvesting it. It has given a great harvest. He was harvested. But there is hard work to be put in. No asset can be left by itself and expect it to be protected and expected it to be producing. So it has to be protected. Then there is a kingdom parable in which a man goes out of his town, leaves his property to workers, and then say, plant the vineyard and then maintain for myself. And when it is harvest time, he sends people back and says, where is my harvest and return on investment? And it goes up to killing of the sun. This, these are again references to the issues related to asset management. Asset management will be engaging and diverting us from our primary purpose of being the Church of Christ, which is referred to as the body of Christ. If we have to, if church is body of Christ, these things will be a hard digression and a very distractionary notes will happen in our life, and we have to be ready for that. But you cannot, don't ask me back, so we should not do that? No, no, no. We should do it, but with care and passion. That's all I'm saying. So we come back to saying that. So how the transition happens is the focus. Jesus Christ has said, I will find my church. So the church is found by him on the rock. And the gates of hell shall not prevail, or the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, yes. And Paul later goes and improvises it to a very great extent. What did he say? He says, you are the temple in which the spirit of the Lord lives. So finally, from the brick and mortar to the glory, from the sanctuary tent, from all these things, Christ has come, dwell amongst us and within us. The spirit of the Lord is poured upon us and it is within us. So each one of us are a living temple. The church happens when all such people, the believers, come together. 
So if we have the first digression is be careful about how we handle the assets and how we accumulate assets. These are very digressionary and distractionary. So we've got to be very careful about how we handle this. Church could be taken away. Now, this is the issues related to the asset management. Go ahead and acquire assets for the church, build wealth for the church. Everything is acceptable, but in Lord with the Lord's, do it within the framework of Lord's pleasing will. And Lord's not Lord's permitting will, but Lord's pleasing will. Because if we insist Lord may permit us, but the pain will come to the church and us. So we've got to be careful about what is this will of God we are trying to implement it in the church. Now, these assets, there are two types of it. One is a performing asset, like Church of England put it to great use. Church of South India has put it to great use. And they are getting revenues in mind-boggling values. So what has happened is those guys are only running after the money, multiplying it. They're, what will happen to the soul within us? How the soul is being nurtured? Can the material wealth nature, nurture our souls or the souls of the church? So what is the real asset of the church? The real assets of the church, even in the management terms, they say that the wealth of an organization is their human resource. If so much the world can say, and all of us being businessmen and professionals can understand that, how much more it is important to say that the real assets of the church are the souls. Are we bringing in the souls? Are we building up the church through bringing up a great harvest of the church? So these are the questions that we ask. We have to ask ourselves this morning. So soul building, so some of us, we go say that soul winning alone is the purpose of the church. No, the church will also require some material work to be handled. Offerings do come in. So every one of us in our individual capacity. And when we have come together as a church collectively, we got to do. So how do we manage our assets? We got to understand there is a great danger in getting totally distracted on asset management. That is one thing. Assets do require management. That is another thing that we have to important. And non-performing assets. One thing, how do we understand non-performing assets? Jesus Christ, in the parable of talents, he says, have five talents to one fellow. And another person, he gives two. And another person, he gives one. The five makes it as into ten when he asks it back. And the two makes it into four. And the Lord is well pleased with them. And the guy who got one, he says, I know you are an evil man and you look for reaping where you have not sown. Therefore, what I did is I put it, buried it in the ground and keep it. This is the non-performing asset. So many of the church's assets are non-performing. If you sit down and watch how many assets of the church are not non-performing, the material assets, not only the material assets, even the souls sitting there without performing. What is the performance of the souls to go and bring another soul into the church? That is the performance. The material wealth, we can monetize it. We can give it to the poor. We can open the schools. We can open the hospitals. We can do all kinds of things. What is it to say? I was naked and you clothed me. 
I was thirsty and you offered me uh, a drink and I was hungry, you offered me food, I was imprisoned and then you brought me. So these things, the material wealth can be put in and that is the purpose of the asset for the church, building asset and creating wealth in the church. So let's be focused on that. And today, all forms of that old school of thought has gone in India. Let's say here Indians listening from India. Schools have become a highly competitive field. So running us, we are not the most competent people on the scene. And then there are so many people. Hospitals, it has got uh, moved into the corporate world and so many things governments are doing. So we need to get innovative about how we manage our assets. We need to get innovative. In Tamil Nadu, there is a fantastic scheme. The government is taking the education to the doorstep of the uh, uh, underprivileged people. Tamil Nadu government is make, taking the health care to the doorstep of the other people. When so much has been done, what are we doing? So let's get innovative about how we do it. So soul winning and the souls. Souls are the real assets of the church. And soul winning is the main purpose of the church. And we need to also manage our material resource, create wealth for the church. All these things are permitted. And I wish you would agree with it. And the word of God shared this morning would make an appeal in your hearts. I want you to do more study on the context that I referred to, especially starting from Ezekiah and how he did it how the middle wealth of the temple was taken away because what he did, he flaunted the wealth. So therefore, the Lord is saying, the wealth that I've given to the church is not for flaunting, but to be put to good use to glorify my name and to fulfill my purpose on earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Thank you, brothers. Uncle, can you please do the closing prayer? Right. Thank you. Lord, our Heavenly Father, what a quiet morning opening a new week. You granted us the favor of gathering in your name. We gathered here using the technology. It was delightful. It is the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in our eyes that all of us, I could share, the, you called me to share the word this morning. Samson coordinated, and all the brothers and sisters who listen to it. We have sown the seed of good thought, of what you're taught from the scriptures and what you're modeled from the scriptures. Thank you. I pray that it will get internalized and every one of us will be able to do more reading and more searching and Lord's help will be abundant in that case to enlighten our souls that we may be more profitable in your sight and in your kingdom and be a blessing to all. Bless CBMC and all that worldwide movement and all the brothers and sisters who participate in that. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. <laughs>